0: Lie for the empire of lies and of wastes of free speech on the debate in the vast wasteland that is the Biden administration. I'm Lee Stranahan, and this is the backstory. Sorry for the slight delay there. I had the volume turned down. And it's amazing, Rod. Let me give you a technical hint. When the volume is turned down, you can't hear things does that make sense yeah that makes sense Lee and I found that out because my girlfriend said why isn't the show on and I said wait it is on but I turned the volume there you go broadcast professional Lee Stranahan with you by the way a programming note we are off Monday we have no show Monday don't be afraid if you tune in and we're not here it's Labor Day, so go have a beer in the yard and don't worry about that. So, did you remember the Labor Day coming up, Rod?
1: Yeah, I was already uh, planning for next week's show, so yeah, uh, you know, I'll skip it Monday.
0: That's good, because we don't have a show Monday. So, but, uh, you know, it, it's been a weird year, and it's odd to think that we're already at Labor Day. Now, we have a fantastic show today, and we have a first-time guest, a Washington, D.C. legend, the legendary consultant and commentator Dick Morris is joining us in the first hour. And, Rod, you'd agree that's a pretty big guest for us because normally we don't get people who appear regularly on Fox and in the Washington Post, right it's hard because they're chicken to come on with us. Is that fair to say?
1: Yeah, I would, I would agree with that, Lee. Um, and yeah, Dick Morris is a, uh, a big guest. You know, he worked in the, in the Clinton campaign for, for a few years. And he's also worked with Trump. So that's two heavy hitters right there.
0: And he also worked with Clinton in 1978. And although there's a lot of stuff I might disagree with Dick Morris on politics, on issues there's plenty of stuff we agree on and furthermore i'm going to use this opportunity guess what i'm going to do rod i'm going to ask him about stroke talbot and cody shearer and see if he knew who they were because i suspect he will i suspect he'll have some good stories and that will further my RussiaGate reporting. reporting does that sound like a good plan Yeah, definitely
1: for sure. You know, these are two people that uh, not a lot of uh, prominent journalists talk about. But you've been hitting on it for the last few years, and and it's a big part of this Russia Gay story.
0: Yes. And again, he worked with Clinton in the 70s when he was governor. And uh, I have some theories about that stuff. So we'll talk to him about that. And uh, you know what? Do you know how else he got his start in politics? What person he gave his start in politics to? Uh, no. Jerry Nadler from New York. The big fat guy. You know Jerry Nadler. Prominent House Democrat Jerry Nadler. Do you know how he helped Nadler get involved in politics? Uh, over dinner, I would guess. No, he managed his campaign. I hope not. He managed his campaign in high school. When Nadler ran for class president, think about that. Yeah, that's interesting. You know, uh, Jerry
1: Nadler—he just beat out uh, Maloney because they the, the redistricting yes. over in New York. In New York. So uh, we're going to be seeing him for the next two years.
0: Yes. Now, now, you know, I'm I'm hesitant to call it an accomplishment, but it's something. And the fact that he knew Jerry Nadler in high school—I'm going to ask him about. Was Nadler a big eater at the cafeteria? Maybe I won't ask that exact question, but I'll talk about Nadler. And that's Dick Morris in this first hour. I'm looking forward to it. Then in the second hour, we have the great Ian Schilling, our friend, geopolitical analyst, and regular guy. What I like about Ian is he's a lot of fun to talk to. My girlfriend's pointing this out. Ian Schilling has a great laugh. Is that fair to say, Rod? Yeah, no, I,
1: I would agree with that. So I think Danny's right on the money on that. <clears throat> and uh, you know, uh, we we just saw today uh, Boris Johnson tell people in uh, the UK that <clears throat> they should get their kettle ready because you know since energy prices are rising and there might be blackouts on this, they have to get their new their, their kettle pots ready. So you know, it's, it's not too condescendingly
0: because they're not going to be using them to make breakfast because there's going to be no food. We have 70% of UK restaurants said to be closing, so we'll be talking to him about that. And those are our guests today, and we're taking your calls. And the question of the day was, will Donald Trump be arrested at 202-521-1320? And the time to call is probably the first segment because we probably won't take that many calls next hour. So if you want to call, this is the time to do it. We'll take a few, but any big callers, get out of the way right away. And that's what's coming up on The Backstory. So, Rod, did you hear the story? I got a phone call at about 4.30 in the morning, and it was good because I was up already because I have insomnia, but... I got a call, and a friend of mine saw that I was on Twitter, so they knew that I was up. But did you see what is rumored to have happened at the Zaporozhye nuclear power plant?
1: Uh, That these inspectors, that the Ukrainian was trying to use them as human shields? Is that the one you're talking about?
0: Well, what the Russian Ministry of Defense, the MOD, reported this morning is that 60 Ukrainian soldiers were trying to take over the plant. Did you hear that story?
1: yeah, so there's multiple stories, and like uh, I don't know if you saw the video on telegram going around of the uh, the three Ukrainians who were arrested by russia Russia's uh, police, and they had um shoulder uh, rocket launchers and they had the, also the uh, infrastructure plans of the of the nuclear plant and this was all on video um, taken. so yeah,
0: and the rumors are that the Brits, were behind this, British intelligence, and that Boris Johnson helped hatch and deliver this plan to Zelensky. And it's a rumor. We don't have the hard evidence yet, but it makes sense to me that the Brits, and what I heard was they were planning to demand that Russia gets out of Crimea and use the nuclear power plant as a form of leverage. Have you heard that rumor? Yeah, I,
1: I've, I actually did hear that Not to, maybe less than an hour ago. So, yeah, that a lot of that would kind of make sense, Lee, because uh, Boris Johnson was there recently. I mean, he's made, like, what, <clears throat> three visits in the past. It's just the summer. Uh, he keeps going back to Ukraine. Um, it's not helping the military, but he keeps going back. So I wouldn't be too surprised about all that. And Like I said, it's on video. Anybody can see it. Uh, it's on Telegram. I don't know if anywhere else is I, I saw the posted. video. Yeah, is- yeah
0: black-and-white video, and it's flashing a lot, that, that video, is that what you're talking about?
1: Yeah, the, the police come in there, and they storm in there, and then they arrest these guys. You see the rocket launchers, the shoulder rocket launchers, and the infrastructure plans, and grenades, and all this stuff, and C-4.
0: Now, this should be, if, if we had journalists who cared about the truth, this should be a major story, that Ukraine was willing to use a nuclear power plant, essentially, as a weapon. Right? Am, am am I misinterpreting that?
1: That that would coincide when, when you ask Mark Sloboda, who who uh, you call it you know a nuke, and he knows about this stuff, he says, Yeah, it would turn into a dirty
0: bomb. And the, and no civilized country should be considering that. But the fact that the Ukraine launched an operation and the MOD from Russia was very specific. About sixty soldiers were destroyed. So God bless the Russian soldiers for stopping this plot. But it is shocking. And I'll tell you who else. Did you ever watch the Military Summary Channel? Uh, No, but I've I've caught highlights. So Military Summary Channel, at about 2 o'clock in the morning my time, put a video out about that. And they had more specific stuff. They came across the river, and they were— they showed where they landed, and it's a place that makes sense to land and says that they were stopped. But this is even I, who expect nothing from the Ukrainians, am shocked. And if the British are behind it, I consider that an international war crime and it shows how dangerous. But I can see them doing it with their thinking being how do we get. Rush out of Crimea, because we can't beat Russia militarily. Therefore, they have to come up with something creative. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah, but that's pretty sinisterly, and that's uh, you can't control a situation like that. If you're, you're, you're shelling and bombing this nuclear plant, you're trying to hit it with rockets and stuff like that. Like you know, that's you know, that's an uncontrollable situation it can turn into a major disaster.
0: Now, I'll make two journalistic predictions about that story. Number one. The Western media won't cover it or will lie about it, right? That's an easy one, and you're not going to get the truth about that story over the next few days because over the next few days more details are going to come out for sure. But and things hard evidence like video is is going to come out, and I'll bet Ukraine confirms the story in not a direct way of oh, it. They say something like Russia killed 60 brave Ukrainians. who are trying to liberate the nuclear power plant." right? That's what they're, I almost wrote, that's what the press release is going to be. You can write it now. What they're going to say is they were trying to liberate the nuclear power plant and dumb people are going to go, Well, yeah, we don't want the Ruskies to have the nuclear power plant. And then you say, well, do you want Ukraine trying to destroy it and trying to use it as as a dirty bomb? They'll avoid that question. So one prediction that's easy to make is the press will lie about it or ignore it, some combination thereof. Rod, do you think there's any way that won't happen? Is that a safe prediction?
1: Oh, very safely. Uh, over the weekend, I saw a P article come notification come across my phone where they're already talking about uh, Russian forces uh, ret- were attacking this nuclear plant. You know, I, I immediately just swiped it off my screen because it's just so it's so stupid. Obviously, because I know it. But at the same time, like, you know, how does the average person? Uh, Interpreters, you know what I mean. It's just like, do do you honestly think Russia just is just this super monster who wants to kill everybody? And but this is the this is what the media keeps regurgitating over and over again.
0: Yes, and I'll t- I'll tell you what else we can guarantee: we will cover it at the backstory. We will bring you the facts, and as they develop, we'll bring you the real story. Is that also a safe? prediction, Rod. That we'll be covering it right here. Oh yeah, that's a, that's a safe bet. You can take that to the bank. So, even though we won't be here Monday, on Tuesday, I expect we'll have some stuff. And I'll tell you who's good on this story. Mark Sloboda has been covering this. And he has a lot of info, not on his Twitter feed so much as his Telegram feed. And so, we'll get Mark Sloboda on to talk about it probably next week. So, let's go to calls, 202-521-1320. And we're getting a little worried. My girlfriend and I were talking. She said, where's Tarif been? But he's back with us. The great Tarif, one of our family of callers. Tarif, how have you been? What's on your mind?
2: How y'all doing? Thank y'all for taking my call. You know, I've been doing research and things of that nature. You know what I'm saying? I I, I, I wanted to give your, your show a break for a little while. <laughs> but anyway. Um, well we miss you. Huh? Thank you. Thank you. Miss you too, man. Um, i like to say free Julian Assange. I have three comments. I comment is this Trump, Julian Assange, and Project Veritas. They're going after those three people. The same thing they use against Julian Assange, they're trying to go after Trump. And they also they're going after Project Veritas. Hopefully, um, I don't want Julian Assange to come here, but most likely he might come here. He have a fighting chance here. Him, Trump, and Project Veritas by wow. using the Constitution of Freedom of Speech. And also, Donald Trump was executive president, um executive um, um, privilege to declassify farms. They're trying to get Trump on all type of things. He might not like him, but, you know, he, he was the president. A second comment is this. <clears throat> I was listening to Alex McCurish and some other people that was talking about the economic situation in China. It's bad in China. But ch- China is it, it, isolating themselves from their economy. Dealing with uh, speculative, speculative banking, dealing with it, they have something like a, something like a glass protecting them. So when the CCP try to cor- uh, correct things in the next coming weeks by putting more money in the uh, on the market and building new buildings, that's going to have an effect here in the United States. where it's going to drive drive up interest rates, inflation again, and also. The gas price is gonna go big up. Now all this is gonna be done before the November elections it's gonna take place. You know, you know. My last comment is this neighbor car just stolen, you know what I'm saying last night? That's bad, that's bad, that's messed up. Now, I'm kinda on a conspiracy side. <laughs> so I'm gonna go ahead and left field with this. I won't be surprised if my vehicle get stolen. I don't want it to get stolen, but by me running my mouth constantly, being a whistleblower and saying different things like I shared subpoena, Pantrell, the mayor of uh, New Orleans, and, and actually, in the uh, mayor before her, that was Landry, Landry, and also the mayor of Houston, the, both the mayors in Houston, the, the one previously, behind my case, then with Mikey DeBakey, trying to find out if they knew anything about my reputation being destroyed, right, where I can bring justice to those in Mikey DeBakey contaminated water, the veterans, right, where I can... Have a case against the federal government of destroying character and actually destroying the process of um, going after Mikey DePakey because the water is contaminated. That's a, that's a, a obstruction of justice. Going after a witness and trying to intimidate the witness. So that's what I want to do. I want to subpoena them, the congressman in Houston, and the senator. I'm um, in the congressman in um, New Orleans, but it's going to be done in due time when I get a qualified um, lawyer. Thank you all for taking my
0: call. Thanks, Sharif. Great call, as usual. And welcome back. So, the other thing that's going on, Rod, of course, is the big speech tonight. Joe Biden is going to protect democracy in his speech tonight. Now, do you, I expect a partisan clown show, not an aspiring speech. When you're trying to talk about democracy, and you're only aiming at partisans. And that's, I have no doubt, the people he's aiming at are partisan Democrats, and including Liz Cheney. So, I expect this to be one of Biden's worst speeches. Is that a pretty safe prediction, Rod?
1: Oh yeah, that's another safe bet, Lee. And yeah, I'll, you know... um the mute wasn't working, but yeah, we'll definitely have Mark Saboto on next week. And this is another bet you could straight take straight to the bank. Uh, don't be surprised if you hear about these ultra MAGA Republicans. Uh, maybe he won't say ultra MAGA because then, you know, that'll draw uh, major attention. But he'll say these ultra conservatives. So he'll just take out the MAGA part and uh, he'll make it seem like, you know, we already have uh, we, we have that clip of uh, uh, the, the White House press secretary saying, they're, you know, they don't respect uh, the law, <laughs> they don't respect democracy and all this other stuff, but she's pretty much talking about her, her, her liberal class. So yeah, well, you could, this is, it's a safe bet.
0: Let's play the clip. Now let's play. This is the press secretary. Jean Pierre, talking about the speech coming up. Hit it.
3: And tomorrow's speech, uh, does the president plan to talk specifically about Donald Trump in the speech tomorrow? Uh, Does he feel like, you know, when he talks about the battle over democracy in this country, does it feel like things are moving in the right direction, the wrong direction? What can you tell us about the
4: president's speech? So I I don't want to, I don't want to get ahead of the the president's speech. It's not a good thing to do, as you know, Uh, but. You know, the president thinks that there is an extremist threat to our democracy. Uh, the president has been clear, as he can be, on that particular uh, piece when we talk about a democracy, when we talk about our freedoms. Uh, the way that he sees is the MAGA Republicans are the most energized part of the Republican Party. Uh, the, that extreme—this is an extreme threat to our democracy, to our freedom, uh, to our rights. Uh, they just don't respect the rule of law. You've heard that from uh, the president uh, and, you know, they are pursuing an agenda uh, that takes away people's rights. So, which is what the president said last week on Thursday. You all heard him. This is what the president said yesterday, and that's what he's going to continue to say. And here's the thing the president's not going to shy away uh, to call out uh, what he clearly sees is happening in this country. And, um, you know, again, MAGA Republicans are this extreme part of their party, and that is just facts, and that's what he's going to continue to lay out.
0: Now, you notice, by the way, the the drinking game there is if you did a shot every time she said extremists, you're drunk already. So let me ask you a question of you, Rod. What the hell does she mean, extremists, as opposed to who? Uh,
1: That's a great
0: question.
1: That's a great question, Lee, and You know, I... I don't know, man. It's just what, what do you what do you say to that? Like, I don't. She didn't even give you an example. She just said it's a fact. So she just she just uh, shook her little head and boom, it's a fact. You know, she's she's like Sabrina, the 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 witch, the teenage witch,
0: but a little older. So, uh, and I'm going to point out that the term extremism has been a smear since at least the '60s because Barry Goldwater in the '60s famously had to come out and say extremism in defense of freedom is no vice. And uh, I'm I'm paraphrasing, but they've been trying to smear people by calling them extremists for a long time. And I'm going to say that, for instance, you know, it, it says something about people's psychology that just... The term extremism, in other words, don't take any position passionately or clearly. Basically, vague muttering is a moderate position. And that's perfect for Biden. But this extremism smear has been going on forever. And she repeatedly says it, that MAGA Republicans are extremists. What does she mean? And And saying... Joe Biden is in no position to talk about the rule of law. Would you agree with that, Rod? Oh, yeah, for sure, Lee.
1: And uh, especially after this raid on uh, Trump and uh, this photo op that they released uh, to kind of show the bloodthirsty liberals like, look, we got him. We got him right here. And, you know, uh, uh, I didn't get the clip on me. I'll give tomorrow, uh, you know, Cash Patel explaining that this, this is, you know, that's not how the room's set up. They're just trying to make it seem like Trump's, uh, some, you know, has documents all over the place. I mean, there's this just craziness.
0: Actually, that would be another big get for us. If we can get Cash Patel as a guest sometime, because I've talked to him before when he was with the House. Uh, and if we could get Cash Patel, and he seems to, to target a lot of stuff. But Cash, does he seem like an extremist, Rod? Uh, to me, no, not at all But
1: to uh, some people on the extreme left uh, You know, let, let's, let's use the extreme left uh, Yeah, he, he seems like uh, an extremist to them You know, he is, his conservative values And his support for Trump are a no-go He, he needs to be
0: ended <laughs> Well, let's take a short break now And when we come back We'll be talking to Washington, D.C. legend Consultant, writer, author, commentator Dick Morris joining us on the backstory after this short break. We are back on the backstory one oh five point five FM AM thirteen ninety in Washington DC legendary political consultant and commentator and author Dick Morris and by the way check out his website he's got a lot of stuff over there and he does weekly video commentaries among other things and it's always interesting and he's a very good presenter so so welcome Dick Morris Hey, Dick, how are you doing today? I'm
5: doing good. You know, I've just written a new book that President Trump gets promoted. Uh, it's called uh, The Return, Trump's Big Comeback in 2024. Hang on, Dick, let me go outside where I'm not hearing the radio. Just a
0: now, and I noticed on your uh, website that you're currently predicting some, something that I've been predicting for a while— you're, you have an article up there saying desperate Democrats will indict Trump to stop him from 2024. So why do you think, because I've said the same thing, and our question today the day is, I'll go one further. He won't just be indicted. He'll be arrested in a way that's humiliating to him. Let out of Mar-a-Lago, frog march in handcuffs or something like that. Do you think my prediction is possible?
5: Yeah, it is, but take this one step further. Why are the Democrats doing this? Um, and I'm right about this in my book. On the one hand, it certainly besmirches Trump, undermines him and will persuade a lot of people not to, some people not to vote for him. But there's a big backlash of people who feel that this is unfair, this is transparently political. And uh, in fact the polling shows that the backlash outweighs the front, last at least as far as mar a lago rate is concerned. So let a little deeper. The reason they're doing this is because they're going to indict Trump, and after they do that, they're going to say to Republicans, look, we know you think Trump's innocent and all that. And we know you think this was unfair. But come on, do you really want to have to tote this baggage through the election of twenty four? Wouldn't it be better for you to drop Trump and go with somebody like DeSantis, who doesn't have these problems, who doesn't have this baggage, who's not radioactive? So what the Democrats are trying to do is to foment a primary in the Republican Party by making Trump radioactive and inducing them to switch to DeSantis. Now, if the Republicans—if DeSantis runs against Trump— He's not going to vacate the grounds he stands on willingly. He's not having been cheated out of the 20 election. He's not going to let himself be cheated easily out of 24. And he'll fight like hell for that nomination. And you'll have a massive, bloody civil war in the Republican Party that will not only destroy our chances in 24, but probably destroy it for a decade, because the breaches that will open up will not heal easily. And that is the Democratic objective. In the short term, they want to—they wanted to arrest Trump. They want to indict Trump, so that that becomes the only issue. That's all anybody. Remember when Monica Lewinsky was was the issue? Nobody paid any attention to Osama bin Laden or Afghanistan or any of that. All everybody talked about was Monica and Bill. And now all they're going to talk about is: Is Trump going to be indicted? He's been indicted. Should he have been? Will he be convicted? Will he run after he's convicted? If he runs, can he win? And so on. And Biden will be a minor little figure on the screen. Nobody's going to pay attention to how he's screwing up the country. Nobody's going to focus on the inflation and gas prices and stuff. All they'll be talking about is justice or injustice of the treatment of Donald Trump. And then that baggage, that distraction, will lure people like DeSantis into the race, cause a Republican primary split the hell out of the party and permit the Democrats to win. That is the Democratic strategy. That's the move that they're up to. And they've been deliberately provocative and outrageous in the way they do this because they want to infuriate Trump and his base so that they raise hell. And the only thing people talk about is that. And they don't pay any attention to Biden. In the last um, five, three months, the polling on is the United States going to, recovering from its economic problems. Uh, Biden's up about 15 points on that. Optimism is up 15 points. Not for any reason. Uh, there's no reason for it. The stats are all in the other direction. It's a, nobody's talking about the economy, because they're all talking about a Lago and documents and archives and that stuff. And that is the democratic strategy And you have to look through it and penetrate it. And that's why I wrote the book, The Return.
0: Now, we have President Biden making a speech tonight. What he's saying is on democracy and the soul of America. But it's obviously a political strategy. What do you think is the strategy behind this speech by Biden tonight? Well,
5: Biden's philosophy, as many communists are, is that you do something and then you accuse the other side of doing it. So, after the Mar-a-Lago raid, he is polarizing this country incredibly and causing violent reactions. And he'll blame it on Trump. He'll say, "Oh, see, Trump is coming. Trump is doing everything that he's doing." And he'll just blame it all on Trump because that's how they disguise stuff. But I'm keep your eye on the ball here about what the Democratic group this is. They want to. They want religious things. Enrage Trump, enrage his base, dominate the news coverage, and then use that to foment the primary in the Republican Party that will destroy it.
0: Now, why do you think Trump elicits such, I'll I'll use the word extremism against Democrats, extreme reactions? Why do you think Donald Trump, and, and among some, we saw this with Liz Cheney, some Republicans as well, why do you think he elicits such extreme
5: reactions? Well, the the basic reason is that he is contradictory to the entire doctrine of the orthodox Republican Party. The orthodox Republican Party is, is raised on Adam Smith, the architect of capitalism, the writer. Melbourne well, Nations was his book, and he said you need free flow of labor and capital. You need people to be able to move across borders without a problem. You need to have have products move across borders without a problem. And if it's all free market and it's all based on competition, it'll work out better in the end. And Trump is coming in and saying, no, no way. I'm not going to let people come into the U.S. and take American jobs. I'm not going to let products come from abroad and out-compete American products and lead to companies going out of business. I'm going to put the needs of the American people first. And the reason the Democrats don't go along with that is they are, for the most part, part of the global economy, not part of the American economy. Uh, their business is worldwide, it's global, they travel all over the world, their clients live in other countries, their associates live in other countries, and they, and the, people, they see people who are focused on America first are like old doddering fools in the Midwest who... Uh, as Obama said, cling to their Bibles and their guns, and they're not sophisticated like we are, with a the worldview. They call it flyover country. And that cultural divide between those who basically look at Western Europe as the source of civilization and those who basically look to the heartland of America as that is a dramatic worldview difference, which underscores the intensity of the animosity toward Trump.
0: Now, we saw one outgrowth of that reaction against Trump in the Russiagate scandal, and I've reported a lot on Russiagate. So uh, let me ask you, because it's not often I get to talk to someone who worked with Clinton in the late 70s. Your relationship, your worked for Clinton as governor of Arkansas, is that
5: that's correct, right? Yeah, I ran his political life for 20 years, from 1978 until 1996.
0: Now, as a reporter, I noticed a guy who was involved before his name came up in the second impeachment. What do you remember, if anything, about Strobe Talbot and, and Bill Clinton as governor in the late 70s? Was he friends with Strobe Talbot?
5: Yeah, he was one was of he- they were best they were close friends. They were among the best friends. And Strobe had a reputation for being an expert on Russia and Clinton regarded him as that. But Strobe's wife was employed by a detective agency run by a guy named Terry Lensner. And that's the agency that Hillary retained to dig up dirt on the women who were accusing Bill of having sex with him. And she was she used to be called the dumpster diver he go to their house and dive in the dumpster and try to come up with dirt on them so they wouldn't talk about Bill. And so at the end of his governorship, that relationship came to really overshadow the mutual respect between the two men.
0: That's interesting. Now, another person I know who worked on those issues was Strobe's brother-in-law, Cody Shearer. Did you know Cody Shearer or Derek Shearer at all?
5: Just by reputation and— uh, the, the name of his wife was also Shira. I forget her first name. But, um, but they were all part of that Hillary crowd. Uh, and uh, I really went broke with them sharply when they were accusing women who, whose only crime was if they said yes to Bill or no or maybe. And uh, they were besmirched and dragged through the mud about that. I could never see that. And I grew up with I called it the secret police that Hillary had, these detectives who were on her payroll.
0: So based on what you know and based on what you're telling us, did it surprise you that Cody Shearer and Sid Blumenthal were involved in Russiagate, that Cody Shearer actually put together the first dossier? Is that shocking to you, or is that the way that guy gets used? No,
5: it's not. I, I know Sid Blumenthal much better than Cody, and uh, that's how they operate. It's absolutely how they operate. And... uh The problem was that Hillary needed to pick something up on Trump, and the negative research files weren't good enough. So they invented this complete narrative of lesser collaboration. Um, I'll tell you, first of all, my wife, Eileen McGann, ill now, wrote a book with me called Rogue Spooks that came out in June of 17, about six months after the inauguration. And she said, this is all based on a dossier. It's completely phony. The product of Hillary's negative research. And she researched a bunch of the things and concluded that it was phony. One of the things that she did was to call Michael Cohen, um, Trump's lawyer, who subsequently broke with him and went to prison over tax issues. And uh, in the dossier, it said that Michael Cohen flew to Prague where he met with the Russians and negotiated the collusion deal. And she said to him, have you ever been to Prague? And he said, no. He said, right after this dossier came out, Trump called me and said, Michael, have you ever been to Russia, to to Prague? And he said, no. And he said, well, come to my office now and bring your passport. And he did. And Trump passed the passport around and everybody saw that he'd never been to Prague. And that was the tip off that this dossier was totally phony.
0: Like literally made up. Because yeah, that's a great point. Now, you've been a harsh critic of Hillary's because I, I think you know her very well. And I, I was interested, at late 70s, Bill Clinton and Hillary Clinton, just a few years before Bill was elected governor, Hillary worked in Berkeley for Truehaft Walker Bernstein, a well-known communist law firm. So how do you see Hillary— Do you see her as a a hardcore leftist ideologically or a cynical political player?
5: Number two, uh, she worked in San Francisco because she was right out of Yale Law School and that was the thing to do. She also plunked the Bar Association, the bar exam in Washington, D.C. and couldn't get admitted there because she was anxious for any place to hang her hat that would have her. And um, that's the background of that. She ultimately went to work for the Watergate Committee um, uh, investigating Nixon. But a uh, large part of the Hillary's work then was because she had not been admitted to the bar. But listen, I've got to get going. I don't want to be talking all about the 70s. Um, my point is that the entire thrust of what the Democrats are trying to do here is elaborated and explained in my book, The Return. And Trump called it, the other day, a fascinating portrait, an analysis of events that are going to happen in the not-too-distant not too future. And by that, I think he means the indictment and the stuff I've been talking about. So if you want to get ahead of that and you want to understand what they're really doing and why they're doing it, please buy, read, and damn near memorize my book, because it lays it out like you'll never see anyplace else.
0: Dick Morse, thank you very much for joining us. And people, I urge you to read that book and check out Dick Morris's website where he does commentary and other things. Thank you, Dick Morris. Thank you. Bye-bye. So there we go. Dick Morris and uh, Rod, did you pick up anything interesting there? I, it, it's obvious that Hillary used Strobe Talbot, Cody Scher and Derek Scher. It's interesting to me that they came through Hillary. That was the one takeaway I took from that. What did you take from that, Rod? Uh,
1: this just confirms a lot of what I read in uh, the plot to destroy Donald Trump from Ed Klein, and that's uh, the person we were talking. About, I was uh, talking about a couple of days ago uh, when we talked about Dick Morris, and uh, in, in his book, and this book came out in 2017, right after the election. He talks about all this stuff. He talks about the, the denied Pfizer's, and he talks about how this was pretty. There was was pretty much a war between. Um, what do they call them, the Hales and the Bills. So it was a war between Bill Clinton's people and Hillary Clinton's people. And uh, Dick Morris kind of just lays it out there that, you know, this is why the Russia Gate was so sloppy and, you know, just discombobulated and just how maniacal she is.
0: And he mentioned Strobe was known as an expert on Russia. That's because in college at Oxford, where Bill was Strobe Teller's roommate, Strobe was working on translating Khrushchev's memoirs. And there's a good article from early in the Clinton administration about strobe. And it said that a lot of people in Russia suspected that strobe Talbot was the CIA operative at the time. And I think that would, if true, explain a lot of things that happened in Russiagate. A person with a decades-long relationship with the cia of course the cia is showing up everywhere in RussiaGate, and i really think that helps explain i think those relationships and in particular cody sure and he says he didn't know cody as well cody seems he's often described as shadowy and he seems shadowy he seems like he's not a person a lot of people know but he's on deep background as a dirty tricks operative. So, absolutely fascinating. And 202-521-1320, feel free to call on the show and answer today's question of the day. Do you think Donald Trump is due to be arrested? And I didn't use the word indicted. Notice I did not say indicted. That's slightly different. I expect they're going to try to frog march him out of Mar-a-Lago. Do You think that's what's coming, Raj?
1: Yeah, that's that's kinda what I'm seeing. It's lining up Lee, you know, uh, I know this sounds stupid and maybe it's just a little conspiratorial for me, but you know, uh the whole Bradley Cooper and Huma Abedin thing and Hillary Clinton and Chelsea getting a show on Apple T V, it you know, they're they're reusing what they did in two thousand sixteen, realigning themselves with Hollywood. And if if you have the scene of Donald Trump being arrested by the FBI and her Hollywood behind her again, it's gonna you know what I mean? it, it, it in their eyes, it the shows like no, she's she's the right one, it's the redo, and we gotta get her in and she'll save America or democracy.
0: And I'll just say this alignment with Hollywood goes back to the people I mentioned, Cody Scher and Derek Scherr, because their father, Lloyd Scherr, wrote for Parade magazine under the name Walter Scott's Personality Parade. And Walter Scott was a celebrity columnist and they lived in LA. So what I think the shearers helped teach Bill Clinton was how to use Hollywood, and that's how he ended up on Arsenio and so on. They have known how to use Hollywood to play politics since the seventies. But let's go to calls two zero two five two one
3: thirteen twenty. Owl Killer, you're on. I you know I'm I'm blown away by that interview, even how short it was. Um, and it show does it not show you how how right you were about stroke Talbot and so Yes. The, I mean I, Lee you need to write a book seriously you do um Alex just came out with one the uh the great great reset in the world the war for the world uh, I got I ordered mine I at- uh, Jones you're saying yeah yeah Lee you need to write a you really do need to write a book I I'm telling you I, I think you will I mean, because what you a lot of there are some people that just want to hear things, and then there's certain people that want to see things like concrete. And if you put the same way that you like, hey, look it up here, look it up here, the same the same way that you show people how to find what you're talking about, I I think it it would be it, it may not be it may not do great initially, but I think historically it'll be something to look back on that people think, like, wow, he was ahead of his time. From twenty fifteen twenty sixteen all the way on, and he he had everything nailed down, and I think it would cement what you're saying. Because I mean, look what they've look how they've taken you off YouTube. You know, you are on Patreon, you're on Sputnik, but your audience is who's looking for you. It's not it's not the the curious person. You're, you're you don't even like show up on their radar, unfortunately. And I think it's I I think it's such a I don't even have word for it. I mean, you you are by far the best journalist I've ever listened to or followed in, you know, in 45 years.
0: Well, it's very nice to say, and I got to say, my recent interview with George Eliason was really good. It was very in-depth and uh, worth seeking out. And I'll tell you, Al Keller, very nice to say, I talked to Danny right before this show started, and I said— we're going to want to grab whatever the interview is with Dick Morris to include those quotes in the book. So I am working on a book, but as you know, I've had a number of setbacks, yeah. including some personal stuff, the divorce, and also health setbacks. But I am working on the book. And do you, do you know, let, let me run this idea by you. Do you know where I think, I, I, the thought occurred to me, that do you know where the big audience for a book on Russiagate by me is going to be what? Russia? It won't be an American audience because I show how Kordakovsky and Bill Browder are right in the middle of this. Now ask yourself how many Americans know who Browder or Kordakovsky is? How many Americans like rounded off to basically no one and they know Browder more. The 12- if you ask them. If you ask Americans, do you know who Mikhail Kordakovsky is? And Kordakovsky is a guy who clearly ties into Rothschilds and funded Magnitsky Act, but in Russia, he's widely known. Does that make sense?
3: Oh yeah, and no, I I think that you uh, one of the big things in the book. You you the the deposition of uh, Browder where he admits that Magnitsky was not a uh, a lawyer. And he tried to pass him off as uh, cuz that that's what the that is what uh the american people think he is. They they think that he was a lawyer. Yes, that's what
0: Well, and and, and the, the russians are not fooled by Bill Browder either because they remember in the battle of the 90s in Russia. Bill Browder gleefully admits in his book Red Nose that he was making money off the shares for cash program. In other words, where people were given shares in former USSR companies and they didn't know what to do with them. So Bill would go in and buy up the shares for pennies on the dollar and then he gained ownership of companies. And so Bill Browder was exploiting the Russian people. But I'm convinced, as I thought about it, trying to con- trying to explain to Americans who Korkasky is and furthermore why they should care but Korkasky in Russia is a famous person cuz again he was one of the, he was the richest person in Russia and his arrest was big news and over here no one knows about him they should know about him because he was the Russian oligarch criminal Russian oligarch who was sponsored by Joe Biden, and he was promoted by Jonathan Weiner, the guy who used to be investigating him. So I'm going to write the book, and whatever it does in America, I think it'll do better in Russia, because Russia, you know, I think about this stuff like you as an American. What I mean is I live here I think about things that way. But think about this from a Russian perspective. I think the fact that Kordakovsky was at the center of it will be new, news to a lot of people. And they'll start to understand it. They'll go, aha. What do you think about that, Owl Keller?
3: No, I I, I, def, I think that is uh, Bill Browder and kordakovsky Those are the two key people that everybody leaves out like, again everybody thinks that that rush the, the even like the quote unquote alternative media you know like Dan bongino well he's more mainstream now, but remember how they were selling that Russian tower meeting as if the that Hillary Clinton sent um those people to meet with trump in order to uh you know as a setup but you 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 had it down was that they were there they were actually there and were going to expose. Um, the magnitsky act to him and expose kordakovski and they and you know the handler kushner was like I said he was there and the that was to prevent trump from actually knowing like the the players in the situation and had he known had he actually gotten that i think he would have been shielded much more from the uh whole the uh the Russia gate attack itself because he would have been out he would have been out uh in front of it. Um, I, I do want to touch on w- one thing, um, and unless, unless you got to go, um, but you know, your old boss, Steve Bannon, um, when, uh, Dick Morris was saying why the Republicans are opposed to Trump and it's basically how he's, it, where they talk about how it's a free market where you have to have a free flow of goods and a free flow of people and a free uh, flow of capital. I think one of the best things Steve, Steve Bannon um, has said is that we are not a, we're not a country, um, we're not an economy with a country, we're a country with an economy. And there's no, um, there's no reason to preserve the country itself if we don't see ourselves as our ideals create our economy. And it can't be just about how can, you know, big business make the most amount of money with ex- exploiting the country itself. Um, I I think that there th- that again even you know if all the stars align and Trump wants to get back in the White House he is only a doorstop on a closing door if we don't he ju- he's just a he, you know he's just preventing he's a temporary bandaid on you know on on a major you know on on basically our legs being cut off that's all he is he, he's a tourniquet um even if he even if he performs to the best of his potential and that's where i think a lot of my anger or like my criticism of him and your criticism criticism of him comes from is that there was so much potential and um you know it was left unfulfilled and i i don't know sometimes we're too hard on him if it's because you know cuz i i don't know i have no idea what he, he was up against we only know what we see in the media and then we can use our imagination But I don't think there's a tougher. You'd have to go to Teddy Roosevelt or maybe Andrew Jackson for a tougher American president to be able to deal with the type of. You know, granted, you know those two. Those two were both in the military, but to deal with the onslaught that he's had to deal with. um, But if we don't address the issues, we don't address the globalism. If we don't address the world economic forum, the ESG, you know, the energy issues. If we don't address those real issues. Trump is just a band-aid. and we're not, we're not going to, um, you know, we're, we're not going to fix the issue with a man. It, it's gotta be a, uh, you know, a, a peaceful, um, I don't, a peaceful renaissance in the sense that we, we go back to our roots. We take what was, what made us great.
0: Well, I agree. And, and we're going to go out killer because of the time, but that's why I see Trump as, uh, uh, an important figure, and I am not a Trump supporter, but I'm not a Trump hater. And I think he's an important transitional figure. We'll take a short break, and when we come back, more of the backstory. power of lies it's time for the second hour today of the show that brings you the truth behind the headlines i am investigative journalist lee stranahan and this is the backstory once again i want to thank dick morris for appearing on the backstory and you know the way that interview came about was dick morris's people reached out to us about having him on we did not ask him, but they reached out, and you know, Danny and we were talking about this in the short break. The shortness of the interview, I have no problem with Dick Morris, who's an older cat, wanting to promote his book, and it's obvious that's what he was, he's interested in. And, you know, I'm glad I didn't waste any of my time stuff some people might do about the hooker scandal or whatever, uh, but appreciate dick morris coming on and i think he promoted his book i'm fine with that and then once i saw he wanted to go i let him go i was not like no 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 you gotta gotta stay so what do you think about that rod
1: no i think you know even though it was short it was a lot of information in that short uh package he gave us and also he's you know like like you he he feels uh trump's gonna get arrested or i think he said indicted. And uh, this is all the Democrats ploy to to uh, muddy the waters and, and say, you know, Trump's a dirty candidate. He's, you know, he's a, he's a criminal. You can't, you can't, um can't have him as the president in the White House.
0: Yeah, right. No, no. And, and that's why, you know, Danny asked, did you know what's going to be on short? And the answer is no. But he, he the reason we asked his dick there at the beginning is because he did not want to hold on to the commercial break. He did not want to be on the line, and I understand that in a sense. When you reach a certain age, you get impatient about stuff. I perhaps have reached that stage in my own life, and I understand that. So I want to be respectful of his time and his goals, but we appreciate him being on, and I did get some more insight. I think the thing that's—I was not aware of how those were Hillary's people. I thought they were Bill and Hillary's people but he's making it clear that they they come through Hillary and that makes sense to me does that make sense to yeah. you Rod? if yeah. Yeah, Lee,
1: uh, that's a, that's a uh, big part of the story that people know very little or nothing about is that it was an internal battle between Hillary and, and Bill Clinton and their people. And uh, Hillary's people won out. And this is what we, we've been dealing with the past uh, six
0: years now. And they are very sinister and maniacal. And we'll talk about more of this after the break. Coming up this hour is the great Ian Schilling, geopolitical commentator and analyst from the UK. With a great laugh. That's coming up on The Backstory. So I was going to talk about what I meant about Hillary and true Walker Bernstein, the law firm she worked for. And his answer was very interesting. But I'll talk about it in one second. Because we have a great caller on the line, Millie from Texas, who knows a lot about Russiagate and specifically Bill Browder. Millie, two zero two five two one thirteen twenty. Millie, you're on.
6: Hey, guys. I, I, I want to point out that this is not just Hillary Clinton's people. This is HSBC Bank and a lot of the funny money that was running through her Clinton Foundation that was eventually caught by the Treasury whistleblower, Natalie Mayflower Sowers Edwards. Now, Edwards specifically had the cluster of names that were Browder's foes. That's why her case stood out to me. But um, I think that uh, the Missouri AG office in their investigation with Louisiana on what we know as the Integrity Initiative and what they know as a censorship problem online, they were really diving into uh, the wrong departments on how this thing was funded, because they're looking um, at—they're really looking at the wrong departments. This was the Department of Defense budget. It was a partnership with European um, partners, and it was paid by— Facebook.
0: And uh, the, the part of it being Hillary's people, I'm talking about the Shears. Here's what I know. This is why I find it interesting. Bill Clinton was an initial friend of the Shears because he was a roommate of Strobe Talbot. And Hillary didn't meet any of them until later. But the reason it makes sense to me that the Shears and Sid Blumenthal became Hillary's people. A lot of people are talking about, well, why are Democrats never indicted for crimes? But I don't hear anybody talk about a crime by Hillary Clinton that's very obvious and that she should have been indicted on. When they found out that Hillary Clinton had the secret email server, they subpoenaed her. They said, we want all the email records. Now, she didn't give all the email records. That's a violation of the law. So Robert you can ask. Robert Otto, yeah. You think that Go Robert, ahead, Bill.
6: Robert Otto, he was using Gmail. That's how he got hacked. He wasn't using State Department emails to converse and set up this whole thing up with Router and Kyle Parker and uh, Jonathan Weiner. They were using G- he or at least Robert Otto was using Gmail. He wasn't using the State well, Department email.
0: And why wasn't Hillary using it? I'm convinced although I don't have a piece of paper where she admits this, I'm convinced that the reason Hillary Clinton was using private email was because she was planning the Russiagate operation, and she didn't want people to see, for instance, an email between Robert Otto and Hillary Clinton would have been basically almost unfindable. But what, what I was saying was the way we know Hillary Clinton did not turn over all the emails. It says she was hacked by a Romanian hacker using the name Guccifer. And in those hacked emails, let me go back a step. Hillary Clinton, when she was Secretary of State, was forbidden by Obama to talk to Sid Blumenthal. Do you remember that detail, Millie? Yes. No. so Hillary was said, don't talk, to Blumenthal. And the reason why is Blumenthal in the primary election, Hillary versus Obama, was doing, he was up to his dirty tricks against Obama. And he was the one, the Obama is a secret Muslim, you know, rumor, that started with Sid Blumenthal, not Republicans. That was Sid. And so Obama, I think understandably, didn't want that guy anywhere near his administration. He didn't trust Sid. So Hillary was ordered not to talk to Sid Blumenthal and that she couldn't have him as one of his, her advisors. Well, these emails that came out from Guccifer showed that Hillary Clinton was talking on the back channel, in other words, pri- privately and secretly, to Sid Blumenthal. That's one of the things that was revealed. And those emails, her not complying with the subpoena, her holding back at least 30,000 emails, is an indictable crime. But no one ever said, apparently Hillary doesn't have to follow subpoenas. Does that make sense, Melanie?
6: It does, but when you look at somebody like Jason Leopold, the FOIA king, he's supposedly able to pull FOIAs from everything. Um. Why is it that ha- nobody has pursued a legal action against her because she was not using those emails? If, if she's not using State Department emails, why aren't uh, journalists suing her and saying, "Hey, we requested these; they never existed, and the State Department knew that they never existed, so there was nothing to FOIA in the first place"?
0: And of course, on um, Guccifer 2 was the identity used by whoever had hacked emails from the DNC. And I communicated with Guccifer 2 by text message. The separation narrative now is that Guccifer 2 was Russian intelligence. I don't buy it. I don't buy it. Now, one of the reasons I don't buy it was when Guccifer was arrested. And again, this is one reason. Guccifer was being brought on a plane back to the U.S. to stand trial. And one of the State Department people, you know, on the plane, a small plane with Guccifer, said to him, how would you like it if another Guccifer suddenly appeared? Well, one did. Someone calling himself Guccifer, too. So that aspect of things, I'm fascinated by. And Guccifer, he's in an Alexandria jail cell now, Alexandria, Virginia. I would love to question him on that. And make sure that happened. Because Guccifer, the reason I doubt it, is that Goosefer has lied about some things. So I would just ask him, did that really happen? I'm, I believe it probably did. Because it fits in with other things that I know for sure. For instance, uh, in fact, it's always been weird to me. Why choose the name Guccifer, too? And I talked to Guccifer, too, about that. And he said it was in tribute to the first Gooseover. Well, yeah, okay. But what do you think, Millie?
6: I think that it would have been discovered that, that basically all of these emails supposedly hacked, she still didn't follow state protocol, and there was a bigger crime on her, plus all the press. They couldn't FOIA any of these documents as the cases were continuing because, again, there was nothing to FOIA. So you're basically looking at the incompetence of the State Department either way you look at it.
0: No no right. Well, I, I would deny you saying confidence. I would say corruption. They knew what they were doing. The State Department, I'm convinced, knew what they were doing. Are you convinced by that manly?
6: Yeah, after seeing the the setup from Robert Otto's hack emails and the the fact that everybody was just kind of going around the rules to create their own scenarios. Um, obviously no one was really watching and there was no way of over Looking all of this like through the ID, or if you went to complain through an ID or a whistleblower, there wasn't really a whistleblower program in place that was protecting any of these um, employees that were saying something.
0: And people talk about, uh, you know, citizens, normal people talk about assassination or being suicided, but that's not how these people work. Sometimes, clearly, they do, but in this case, how did it, they get rid of Russian lawyer Natalia Veselnitskaya? They didn't kill her, right? So no, that was actually what they did. Yeah, go ahead, Melly. I was going to say they indicted her.
6: Yeah, that was that was a serious effort on the part of SCNY. John Cypher had a big role in that. He's supposedly ex yes. Nikhil Korchkovsky, the billionaire pretending to be a journalist. Um, MSNBC setting the whole thing up on a spectacular show, um, but it, it was just a sad play for those of us that kind of saw what was really going on and how easy it was for the state, to, uh, or actually SDNY specifically, to work with NBC and do frame hit pieces to make um, Brow- Bill Browder's opposition and in, in counsel, his opposing counsel, to be a Russian spy, uh, when obviously the Prebazon case says otherwise and again it was curious to me why natalie edwards had pulled Prebizon and when the fbi had given the summary for her arrest they put Previson alexander as if it was a person and it wasn't so I, I talked to lucy commissar about that she said no that's not a person that's the Previson case so um you know, there's a lot of funny business there
0: and we're going to get lucy back on very soon because we haven't talked to her in a while And Lucy Commissar is the great reporter who's done so much important work on Bill Browder and Khodorkovsky. She was really, my understanding of this situation, I owe a lot to Lucy Commissar. And so when we, we, yeah, go ahead. I'm
6: hoping that Lucy looks into this um, Missouri and Louisiana AG lawsuit against big tech. Because when you look at the details of it, it's clearly Bill Browder's integrity initiative, that they don't exactly know where it's coming or stemming from. Um, But the AGs are familiar with names like Nina Jankowicz, not understanding how she was paid, and that she was not necessarily paid through U.S., it was through our partnerships with the U.K.
0: And it's so frustrating to me that, uh, again, I'm, I'm going to be critical of the audience and the publishers on the right, If I was writing this stuff at Breitbart News, everybody on the right would have known about the Integrity Initiative. But as it stands, if you mention the Integrity Initiative to the average Republican, they'll stare at you blankly. They have no idea about it. But once you know what the Integrity Initiative is, and we did a number of segments on on my shows on Sputnik, Ball Lines, and this show. Once you know who the, the Integrity Initiative is, Nina Jankowicz being with the Integrity Initiative makes all the sense in the world. Yeah. But do you understand the frustration I'm getting at, Melanie?
6: Absolutely, because I'm watching Missouri AG and Louisiana AGs really pursuing this big tech censorship problem, and they don't have a finger on what it's called. And it's the Integrity Initiative. And it was definitely a joint venture, but the budget seems to be a Department of Defense budget more than anything.
0: And it also explains. So it partially explains or is explained by the the appearance of the Brits all over Russiagate, not just Steele, not just Dear Love, but the reason the Brits are central to this. Agreed?
6: Yes, absolutely. UK has been complete control, especially with the Facebook fiasco. Uh, Facebook was paying into the the integrity initiative. They were actually giving money to them as well as receiving it. And it's not clearly understood that Facebook has been spying on Americans, but they are providing that information to their, quote-unquote, partners in the Integrity Initiative. So this is a Smith-Munds Act violation.
0: Now, and and Browder, Bill Browder came up in the Helsinki-Finland meeting between Trump and Putin a few years ago, because I was there. I, and when Bill Browder's name came up, I got my text, my phone started blowing up. So. I'm convinced that Donald Trump does not have any idea about Bill Browder. Do you think that's true?
6: No, I don't think that's true because of Jared Kushner.
0: Well, no, I'm saying that Trump doesn't know about Browder, that Trump has a false— Trump has, I think, when his name came up, he obviously didn't exactly know what Putin was talking about. And Fox News immediately sprang into action— Fox News, a pro-Trump outlet, the guy from Fox Business, Neil Cavuto, he jumped up, and he was a Trump supporter, and he said, Bill Browder, get on my show. And I've noticed, and it's significant, every time Browder appears on Fox, they never mention his background, that aside from the fact that his grandfather was the head of the Communist Party, which a lot of Fox viewers would be suspicious of. He's a lifelong Democrat. And Bill Browder does not like Trump. And if anyone wants to have a fascinating time, watch Bill Browder when he's on Fox News. Have you ever noticed what happens, Millie, when Bill Browder gets asked about Trump on Fox News? He sounds like a snob
6: that's offended that Trump is beneath him and that he should know better.
0: But he never comes out and attacks Trump directly. That's why I'm I'm I, I notice I notice he does not come and go, well, Trump's a criminal. He goes, well, I don't know about Trump, but I do know Vladimir Putin's a monster. Have you have you noticed that kind of thing?
6: Yeah, but I, some of the comments he's made was like he needed to know better, like basically that Trump was beneath him and that he just. He didn't. He didn't know any better, but he he better catch up because Browder knows more than the president.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, I agree. But he pulls his punches too. He doesn't say anything really, and he's set up with questions on Fox sometimes that he could answer negatively, like, and he doesn't answer them positively. But I I'd say the way to get to Trump on Browder is to say and to point out things that he said on Fox. This guy is not your friend. Bill Browder is in no way Trump's friend. And I think it's pretty easy to prove by his Fox appearances. But I'm convinced that a big part of selling Browder to the right wing, because I've seen plenty of Republicans
6: defend Bill Browder. Hard. Have you seen that, Millie? Yeah, but I'm seeing that Browder's son is very sellable to the right wing. And especially with yes. old funding. And this Blake Masters guy, as far as their AI and how they're integrating that with the legal system, it's very similar in nature to what Joshua Browder is doing to replace lawyers. So if you look at Blake, is it Blake Masters that's running for Senate in Arizona? I'm trying to remember the name. Okay,
0: so I think so. Yeah,
6: yeah. So he's kind of running a similar type of AI partnership, but it deals with more of the paperwork that's submitted. Um, so they they definitely have a lot of money flowing with the Peter Thiel gang, and that's where it kind of crosses over with like Sobot and um, Mike Sternovich and all of those guys. It's it's kind of meddling into the Bitcoin alley as well. But Joshua Browder stands out as a very sellable product to the, the right wing. That was actually uh, a storm. <laughs> sorry. I just watched the lightning storm hit the ground. (laughs) Really? uh, Wow. Hit the ground in front of me. I heard that. (laughs) But yes, I think that Joshua Browder is very sellable to the Republican side right now. And some of this digital, when you look at his investments and his AI, that's also very curious to me when you talk about censorship online and the bot farms that were attacking people. And yet Browder's son just happens to have a bot company. (laughs)
0: And let me let me point out that Bill Browder, and we, we brought this, I, I mentioned this to George Eliason. Bill Browder hates Glenn Simpson. And the reason Browder hates Glenn Simpson. Now, everyone listening, hold, reserve your thoughts on what you think of Glenn Simpson. From Bill Browder's perspective, Glenn Simpson's the guy who working for Natalia Vesoniskaya told the truth about Bill Browder and then try to serve him at at Aspen. Would you agree that's how Browder sees Simpson?
6: Well, then he's going to have to complain to uh, Senator Feinstein because she's the one that released the deposition on Glenn Simpson, and he admitted that he was hunting down Browder's money laundering, that he caught all of his uh, tax evading properties in Aspen and the different businesses that he was money laundering through. And he clearly stated that under oath, which was released with, um, Senator Feinstein's website. So, he- so the fact that
0: the the fact that Glenn Simpson admitted all that stuff, and Glenn Simpson on the Browder story was correct, and it's provable independently. So what they had to do was they had to destroy Glenn Simpson's reputation with people on the right wing, and notice how they demonized Glenn Simpson that way. If Glenn Simpson says something about Browder, the average Republican goes, Well, you don't believe Glenn Simpson, do you?
6: You see one gang out, Millie? Yeah, well, Glenn, Glenn Simpson, did you ever see any of the 12 clients that he had for the 2016 year? Because I remember he had closed all of his clients down by the beginning of 2017 where he said he didn't have any clients. So the question was like people like um, Daniel Jones, who was working for Feinstein. I think he was a client. And there were some other suspicious clients that they all overlapped. Uh, But I think that that client list is very important to look at for the public to to see exactly how Simpson was basically laundering information all over the place.
0: But we've got Ian on the line, so we have to go mentally. But great call, fantastic call, and avoid lightning strikes. Be careful. So let's take a short break. When we come back, the great Ian Schilling will be with us on The Backstory. on The Backstory, and on 105.5 FM, AM 1390, in the Empire of Life's capital, Washington, D.C. And joining us now is a great friend of the show, the man with the great laugh, and a lot of knowledge about geopolitics, the great Ian Schilling. How you doing, Ian? I'm doing great. Hi, guys. Now, we played a clip early in the week. Tucker Carlson said that 70% of restaurants in the UK they're saying are going to close over the next few months. Have you heard anything like that, Ian, in the
7: UK? Well, that's been in the press, yes. There's going to be a lot of small businesses like that closed, restaurants, pubs, um, bars, hotels. I mean, but people's energy bills, small small companies' uh, energy bills are going through the roof. They're going up five times. So they might have been paying £2,000 a year Last year, and now they're going to be paying £10,000 a year. So, they, do, I mean, they're not going to be able to handle it without putting their prices up. And then, you know, will they go out of business because people don't won't show up? So, uh, hotels and that sort of thing, you know, where they've got low occupancy, they're thinking of closing you know, over the winter because, you know, that's not their peak time, is so. it? And uh, loads of other businesses will close up as well. I mean, there'll be a load of bankruptcies, and then there'll be a load of unemployment. All these people who work work in these these stores and restaurants and pubs will all all be laid off. They'll all be unemployed. And there'll be loads of unemployment as well, to add to it.
0: And that's the kind of thing that if you're not interested in politics, but you're a normal person, you can't avoid noticing. The restaurant you normally go to for lunch twice a week, for instance, it suddenly close, and the owner, who you know, I'm I'm making this up, but is going to tell you what's happening. So I think this means this pain is going to be felt across people who don't care about politics at all. Now, meanwhile, I've seen in England that they're basically they seem to have a PR campaign saying to the British people, "Well, you have to make sacrifices." Yeah. Also, are are they telling people you're not going to be, be
7: able to take hot showers? Oh, well, that was in Germany. Well, uh, well, I think it was in the UK as well. They said spend less time in the showers. And Germany's saying don't take showers at all. Give a washcloth. <laughs> I mean, it's ridiculous. And all because of insane economic and foreign policies. I mean, it's because of all these you know, green Green climate change things, all the renewables that are no good, and they haven't got enough gas-fired power stations, and they're they all stopping all the nuclear power stations, aren't they? are not building them. Uh, the UK is supposed to start building them again now, according to one of the candidates. But, but, I mean, it takes five or ten years to build a nuclear power station, doesn't it? So that's, that's a long way off. Uh, meanwhile, Germany's still think- threatening to close all this. And, and the Poles are all should- queuing up for coal. They can't, they, the the, po- the po- Poles all, all use coal to heat their homes. Oh, a lot of them do. And all queuing up because there's a shortage of coal in Poland, which produces a load of coal. <laughs>
0: it's ridiculous. Right. I think the British should try to sell this. The British government should try to sell it. It's their new Smell Like the French program in the UK. Because you know they're known for being smelly, but uh, <laughs> so so Ian, are people starting to get this? And what do they like about? Do they accept the idea that we have to sacrifice
7: for Ukraine because they need it more? <laughs> well, I don't know what the what the feeling is in the general public. I mean, the mainstream media is pushing the propaganda like hell that we we've got we've got to help help Ukraine. I mean, Ukraine's not a democracy. Zelensky's shut; the, he's banned all the opposition political parties and can and nationalized the media. It's a dictatorship in Ukraine. It's not not a free country at all. And anybody who speaks out against against Ukraine fighting the war is liable to get arrested by their secret police, is not they? <laughs> you can't call that a free country.
0: No, did you hear about the plot this morning, where the Russian Ministry of Defense said they stopped. 60 Ukrainian troops trying to take the nuclear power plant at Zaporozhye. Did you hear about yeah,
7: that? Yeah, trying to sabotage it. Yeah, I saw that. Yes. They had a, had a boat across the river, didn't they? <laughs> they were trying to now, try and sabotage the nuclear plant.
0: Now, the rumor is that the British were behind that plot, and Bojo specifically was involved in it. Do you, do you think that's
7: a credible... Rumor, at it wouldn't all, surprise think- me in the least. It wouldn't surprise me in the least if the UK and MI6 and whatever put them up to it. It wouldn't surprise me in the least. That's just the sort of thing that British intelligence do, they got no morals.
0: But but it's sure looking like Liz Truss will be the next prime minister,
7: is it not? Yes, it's terrible, terrible that'll be. But both of them are terrible, so it be. A, uh, the, the, the old propaganda on the wall will get ramped up, and the, the COVID vaccines will get ramped up, and everything else terrible will get <laughs> will get ramped up, and they will blame it on Putin, won't they?
0: <laughs> Ridiculous! You no, know, and I'm sure you, we played the clip last week on the show of Liz Truss on a show being asked about pushing the nuclear button, and the thing was weird to me in was the audience applauded. When she said she's ready to push the n- nuclear button, yeah, well, I not. We all want
7: to where... get wiped out. Yes, we all want to get murdered by by stupid politicians. Yes, brilliant. And, I mean, now, the, but I mean, the people they pick for the, to be the audience in these programs are brainwashed, small ones anyway, aren't they? They're not going to pick pick anybody who's got any critical thinking or knows what's going on in the world. To- to go on a mainstream TV be the audience in a mainstream TV program, they're all handpicked to be brainwashed idiots.
0: <laughs> no, right. And I, I, I was stunned that some that they found that many people to applaud nuclear war. I was not aware yeah. the British were such fans of nuclear war.
7: Well, they probably asked the audience beforehand what was their stance on on pushing a nuclear button if they if Russia starts World War Three or what, I mean, they'd obviously phase the question to put them up to it, but then they'd, they'd weed them out, see? And if anybody says, no, we shouldn't have a nuclear war under any circumstances, they wouldn't be in the audience.
0: No, it's all yeah, I mean, all these things are big. Let's play the clip again so people know what we're talking about. Control room says we have the clip. So let's run that clip. This is Liz Truss. And who's this talking to her? Who's this asking her? I don't know who it was. Okay. So it's a big, bald guy. So let's play the clip. Hit it.
1: We'll be ushered into a room, very privately, at number 10.
7: We'll be laid out in front of you what are called the letters of last resort. Your orders to our Trident boat captain on whether you, Prime Minister Liz Truss, giving the order to unleash our nuclear weapons it would mean global annihilation i won't ask you would you press the button you will say yes but faced with that task i would feel physically sick how does that thought make you feel
4: i think it's an important duty of the prime minister i'm ready to do that
0: I'm ready to do it. There you go. Did you recognize the voice by any chance?
7: No, I don't know. I don't know who it was. I heard it. I heard that she'd said it, but I don't know who the interviewer was.
0: And Liz Truss—that's a softball question in a sense. All Liz Truss has to do is say, "Well, of course, nuclear war would be a disaster, and none of us want that." But faced with this aggression by Russia, if she had said that she was seemed like a much more human person.
7: Yeah. But yeah, she, did, she didn't soft-soap it at all. She just said, Do it. I'll push the button and blow everybody up, didn't she? She didn't try to say it would be terrible or anything, you? I mean, she, she hasn't got any heart at all, has she? She's got no human emotions at all.
0: And again, she had a way to answer it that would have made her seem human. But she yeah. need, she's, she's so unhuman, she doesn't want to give the appearance of human. Yeah.
7: Yeah, yeah. I, so I mean, she's definitely going to ramp up the war in Ukraine and uh, arm and whatever. Waste British taxpayers' money buying buying weapons from BAE Systems to ship, up, ship out to Ukraine and whatever. It's I mean, it's ridiculous. I mean, they've already got a bunch of SAS in Ukraine, in Western Ukraine, training Ukrainians and Nazis in Western Ukraine. That's the stories in the British press. The SAS are already in there. So they're already in Ukraine, even despite the official denials that they've got no troops in Ukraine. They've got SAS sabotage squads and whatever else in Western Ukraine.
0: Now, I was in the UK a number of times to cover the Brexit vote. And to me, the Brexit vote was for naught. There's no purpose of it. And have you seen anybody, is anybody on the British uh, side publicly coming out and saying, we did Brexit for a reason. It was not to be going along with the EU on every issue. But we seem to have fallen into that. We seem to be the EU's bitch, to put it bluntly. Well, the U- the course, UK, I'm referring to a the dog. The
7: UK, UK government has always left the aggression against Russia because they they want chaos and carnage in Europe. So the, the UK government has always pushed and potted the Germans and French, to be aggressive against Russia because they don't want deals between Germany and Russia and France and and Russia because that that would make all of them stronger. I mean, the the whole thing is completely stupid because Russia just wants security guarantees that there won't be nuclear weapons placed on their front doorstep and that the Russian citizens in Ukraine won't get slaughtered by Ukraine's Nazis. That's basically what they're after, and saying that Ukraine should be a neutral territory. So the whole thing could be easily solved by the West just saying, yeah, Ukraine's gonna be a neutral territory. Anybody, any part of Ukraine that wants to join Russia, there's a there's a fair, fair referendum supervised by UN observers or whatever it's gonna to be to to make sure that it's fair. And the whole thing would be solved And then then Russia and Germany can sign its gas deals and oil deals. And the whole whole continent of Europe would be better off, wouldn't they? Because the energy price would suddenly plummet by, you know, the electricity prices would plummet by a third, and the oil price at half, and whatever else. And that is no, it's so isn't... simple to solve it, but of course nobody's going to do it because it, it's not good for corporate profits. It's not good for the arms companies. It's not good for the media, is it? Because the advertising. Because if there's no wall on, they, their audience goes down. So CNN and BBC and ITV and Sky News all want a war to go on because it ups their audience ratings and, and and increases their ad revenues. And the and the arms companies want it because that's how they make their money. And all the NATO, NATO so-called think tanks are pushing it because they're all getting paid by the arms companies as well. It's all a complete scam.
0: It seems to me, and maybe I'm missing something, if there's an a millimetre of difference between the UK's position on the war and the EU's position, I'm missing it. Do you see any difference between what the UK government's saying
7: and what the EU believes? No, they're, they're all in lockstep, aren't they? But, I mean, Germany and France initially didn't want to push the aggression, did they? But then Germany didn't approve Nord Stream 2, didn't they? That was that was the first trigger, wasn't it? When Germany didn't approve Nord Stream two in about November last year, wasn't it? I, it was all set to go. It was all built, all ready to go, and then they didn't didn't give it a license to operate. So that was the first clue that things were going to going to go, you know, take a turn for the worse. And then and it's, it's escalated downhill ever since.
0: But well, on on the other hand, Germany and France were the two countries who helped negotiate the Minsk agreements that should have ended the Ukraine aggression against Donbass. And well, should have done, the UK- but they
7: didn't enforce it, did they? They didn't try even right. attempt to enforce it.
0: And to me, that was the war. The start of the war was the Ukraine government, the regime in, in Kiev, that was in put in place by the U.S. and the U.K. Uh, yeah,
7: not- I and mean, the war started well, in 2014 in the February coup in Kiev, didn't it? That's when the war started. I mean, the actual physical war started about May, didn't it? Three months later. But that that was the start of it in 2014.
0: Now, it seems to me also one of the effects of the war there, even more so than the United States, has suppressed free speech for people in the UK. You saw, do you think that, I mean, how bad has the suppression
7: of free speech gotten in the UK? But it's oh, it's it's horrendous. So they, I mean, all all the all the social media companies ban people and censor anything that goes against the official narrative on Ukraine. And you know, the the remaining newspaper outlets or whatever on and online censor comments that go against the narrative, so they get deleted, so people can't see them. I mean, there's a massive censorship campaign just in the comment sections on newspapers, like The Guardian or The Daily Mail or whatever comment sections. Anything they don't like, they just delete. And then they ban the users. <coughs> I started commentating, commenting on Daily Mail a couple of years ago or a year ago or whatever. And I was on my, my, my eighth account. but we got banned and I gave up.
0: <laughs> no, right. And as uh, th- 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 shocking, you know, The statue of George Orwell that's in front of the BBC, because you know that statue, he was seen crying the other day, weeping, and he's a statue. So, (laughs) you know, this is the 1984 nightmare scenario. War is peace, uh, freedom of slavery, and so on. So, now, I'm trying to understand some of these British media outlets. I've noticed, I think it's the Telegraph, that's a paper in the UK?
7: Yeah. Yeah, it's the major paper in the UK.
0: Yeah. Okay, so I, I understand that the Daily Mail is a Tory's paper, basically, and the Guardian has traditionally been a
7: Labour paper. What is the Telegraph? That's to- the I call it the Tory Graph. It's the Tory paper. And how's the different than always- the Daily Mail? Well, the Daily Mail was more tabloid and gossipy, and and the Telegraph thinks it's a broadsheet like the London Times. Okay, Uh, the the, the Daily Mail is trashy. It's halfway between the Telegraph and the Sun.
0: (laughs) Okay, yeah, that's good, because, uh, you know, I I know about the Daily Mail because they have a presence in the U.S. And in the U.S., they do some things right. Uh, It's a pretty good paper. Not perfect, but I like the way they present stories. A lot of times they put bullet points at the top of the story. And I'm not saying they're accurate, but we know about the Daily Mail in the US because of their British, uh, sorry, because of, of their American publishing. But the Telegraph seems to be one of the most pro-war of the British papers, correct?
7: Well, I don't know about that because they're all absolutely pro-war. None of them are against it. They, 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 the, the entire the entire mainstream media is pro-war, the so I can't say. I mean, The Guardian is, is full-on. Hold on fascism. It's fascist, fight the war. I mean, the, the Guardian's supposed to be a left wing, but it's globalist and fascist. Right? It supports all the corporations, the drug companies, and the arms companies, and whatever else. So they're, they're all one hundred percent pushing the propaganda for the war. None of them, none of them, are posting any articles in any way doubting the pursuit of the war, and not none of them will say that you know, well, Russia's got legitimate. Con- security concerns with nuclear weapons being placed on its front doorstep or anything like that. They never say anything like that in the Western media. They never give people a clue about what the real issues are. They just push, oh, Putin Putin did an unprovoked attack on Ukraine. Well, it wasn't unprovoked. He's been been provoked for for the last last uh, 15 years, ever since Munich 2007. And he said... The Western powers are being too aggressive, <laughs> and they, they, the NATO expansion is encroaching on Russian on Russian security. And he warned book the West to lay off in two thousand and seven in Munich with a great speech. And of course, they didn't didn't listen to him. Bush immediately then said that Ukraine and Georgia are going to join NATO in two thousand eight. So they did the opposite of that. So now, this has been going like, on
0: for a long time. Now we've talked about it before. But the Dutch farmers tractor protests seem to be continuing, and Germany is involved, and other countries. Is there any sense in the UK of British farmers protesting against the New World Order, like the Dutch farmers no, and Germans? Anything.
7: I haven't seen anything in, uh, in the, the UK for farmers' protests or anything, no. No. I, and and the, the British media have censored all coverage of the Dutch farmers' protests. They just don't show any of it. Right? So it's only on social media that you you get to see it. An alternative media around that. so well, nobody Brian... knows. I mean, they've got to cover this up. No, nobody in in the media is cover is is in any way giving a hint of the agenda that's going on. All this globalist agenda for for you know totalitarian control. Total surveillance, mass poverty, which is all these food shortages and energy shortages, and the depopulation agenda that Gates has been open about speaking about and the Rockefellers were before him were speaking about depopulation and Henry Kissinger was talking about depopulation. They all talked talk for, for decades about depopulation. but nobody in the British media, the mainstream media will ever talk about what the what the real agendas are for this. Uh, you know, an Agenda 2030 that's going to take total control of the land and you won't own anything, and whatever else. And, and, it's all hidden from know?
0: And the person I've seen saying some good stuff about this, not surprisingly, the person I interviewed a couple of months ago, the great David Ike. I've noticed Ike is out there, but Ike is treated in the U.K., I think, like Alex Jones is treated in the U.S., uh, yeah. the, uh, I think I think the phrase
7: is a nunner. Be crazy. Yes. That's what That's they what try Mike and is- make about to be. And some of the things he says are crazy, but he, he, I mean, he's spot on about all this globalist agenda and agenda 2030 and mass poverty and the corporations taking total control and total mass surveillance of everybody every minute of the day. And, you know, the 5G will be the Internet of Things and we're. we're We'll all be watched inside our homes and outside our homes every minute of the day. We'll be tracked with our mobile phones and whatever else. Yeah, so, I mean, that's what it's... I mean, it would be total, t- totalitarian. And now all this cashless society and central bank digital currencies, I mean, that that is the complete end of democracy because they will dictate what you can and can't spend your own money on. So there will be no funding of protest groups against the government because the government won't allow it. So what Trudeau did to the Canadian truckers, that's the, that's the purpose of central bank digital currencies. They will wipe out any dissent and protest against the government by freezing people's bank accounts, and, you know, they won't be able to buy food. Like, that is the purpose of it. That's total control. And we talked about
0: Germany a couple of times. Germany is facing imminent economic disaster. Some of the numbers, the graphs look like a roller coaster. How will that affect the U.K.? If Germany's economy tanks completely, will the British be
7: affected? Well, the whole of Europe's going to be affected because the whole of Europe's going to go into a horrific recession. Right? It's already starting, isn't it? They're already reporting it's starting to be a recession, but it's going to get a lot worse over the next year. We haven't and- seen all the, all, the, all the mass layoffs from companies downsizing. But, I mean, there's... I mean, I don't know, I can't remember whether it was in the U.S. or or in Europe, but 50% of companies are are considering laying off people over the next 12 months, right? So it hasn't started yet, but all this is going to happen. 50% of companies are going to lay off people. What's that going to do to unemployment? Well, at
0: that point, you're talking about the cover-up the British press is involved in. Things like that, I think, are significant because you can't cover it up. When the pub down the street is closed, you can't cover that up. And and whatever the Telegraph and the Mail and the BBC say, they blame it on Putin. The guy who owned the pub knows that Putin didn't come in and shut down his pub. It was the economic conditions pushed by the UK government. So I think there's going to be a big backlash by the British people because, uh, you know, you know, someone like Ike is well known, and he ha- he has an audience. But I'm convinced there's a large number of people in the UK who know the truth, but are afraid to talk about it because they know the censorship is so intense. What
7: do you think, Ian? Uh, well, I think it's going to start elsewhere in Europe. There's going to be—I mean, the French are going to protest as well as the Dutch, and the Germans will start protests, and the Spanish will protest. And then the UK will join them. But, I mean, the UK, the British people are very reluctant to protest about anything. They just take it on the chin. Whatever the government abuse of them is, they just just accept it, most of them. So there isn't a big protest movement. I mean, there was a big protest about all the lockdowns in London a couple of times, wasn't there? About 100,000 people turned up in London, which was great. Right but it only happened about two or three times, so that that was when they were threatening to put the lockdowns in the game. Right? But I, I mean, it takes a lot for the british to to protest about anything. right the The French and the Germans and the spanish and the dutch and uh, and the Belgians are going to protest protest first. It's going to start there and spread.
0: Now, I'm prepared for a depressing answer, but was there any outrage that you saw public outrage or in the papers? by politicians that Pink floyd bassist Roger Waters is on a kill list that's backed by the Ukraine. Does anyone care that the great Roger Waters
7: is on a kill list? No, it wasn't even, as far as I'm aware, it wasn't even mentioned in any of the mainstream media. It was only mentioned in alternative news sites and social media. The British press just covered it up, this The supposedly democratic country has got a kill list of 100,000 people of its political opponents. That's not a democratic country, is it? Right? I mean, if the FBI published a list of 100,000 people it wanted to kill because they were against the FBI, I mean, that wouldn't go down well in America, would it? And, <laughs> I mean, and how we all she- know the FBI keep lists like that of dissidents, but they don't publish it, do they? But the Ukrainians
0: publish it. Now, Ian, how many, how much do you think we were talking about the new world order and the WEF? How much do you think that ties in to the city of London, the square mile, the central part of banking in the UK? How much do you oh. think the city of London factors
7: into the WEF? It has a huge influence. Has a huge influence. So. I- uh, over over policy all all over the world, especially in Europe. But it's one of the centres of the globalist things, isn't it? I mean, the, the WAF and Davos and the uh, City, uh, City of London's all, always part of the thing to push corporatism, corporate power, isn't it, and banking power. Right? And the, you know, they're allies with the Federal Reserve and the And the big banks in the U.S., Goldman Sachs and J.P. Morgan and whatever else, they're all in it together. But, I mean, that that is the major center in Europe for globalism. And because I didn't understand what the city
0: of London was different than London until a couple of years ago. But now, increasingly, I think you need to understand the city of London if you want to understand the New World Order. So I'm not wrong on that. Right
7: in. No, yeah, I mean the City of London has been been funding corporate corporate um, projects to to impose impose oligarch control over over the world since you know the in- East India Company, you know, in the sixteen hundreds or seventeen hundreds, and taking over India and all all that. So uh, they, and um, you know, the British taking over Africa, the City of London was all behind that, and you know the Opium Wars in China. And India, I think the whole growing, growing opium in India to sell in China. That's what they were doing in the 1800s to to, to cost China and impose their control over China. That's why China was so poor. Now, and finally- all, all oh. the all the opium smuggling from the you know, Southeast Asia from from Vietnam and Laos and whatever else you know, they're all in that. And so is the CIA. I mean, the CIA, as the, the city of London, you know, they're all in it together. As well
0: as the British opium smuggling into China during the Opium War, where the British yeah. addicted and were responsible for the death of millions of Chinese during the Opium War. And that of course brings us to HSBC, the British yep. banking giant, which was formed during the Opium War. Right, Ian? Yeah,
7: it was it was the Shanghai banking company. HSBC was the Hong Kong and Shanghai Banking Corporation, originally, or something, wasn't it? I mean, they, they originally were in Hong Kong, and they were they were making money out of the opium wars and smuggling smuggling opium into China. Yeah? That's how they started in about 1840.
0: Yeah. And then you go from HSBC to Bill Browder and James Comey. But we'll talk about it another day. Ian, as usual, fantastic appearance. You're going to be up for a while because you're a night owl. But Ian Schilling great appearance and thanks again to dick morris he wants you to know he's got a new book out and you should buy it so we'll be back tomorrow for a friday edition of the best damn radio show in the world the show that takes you deeper into the true backstory